This is According to Jim with Jim Joyner and Steve Sell, McPherson's sports talk show. Every time they win, you owe me a Woo Pig Suey. Woo Pig Suey. Woo Pig Suey. Listen Monday through Friday from 1230 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. We the North are now we the champions. The Raptors, the 2019 NBA champs. According to Jim is your home for the McPherson Bullpup. They want the wheel round. Jace Kinnaman down the near sideline. Can he track it down? Yes! Jace Kinnaman is a 10. Five touchdown Bullpup. Everything happening in the sports world. Here comes McCready. Oh, he just sucked the gravity right out of the building. What a play by T-Man. And even some things not happening in the sports world. So are you not a fan of, of your athletes on your teams going on The Bachelor or Bachelorette? I don't care. I don't watch it. I don't care. Now it's time for According to Jim. Here's Jim Joyner and Steve Sell. Let's do this thing. Another edition of According to Jim right here on 96.7 FM KBBE. Or for those of you listening online, worldwide, at midkansasonline.com. I'm Jim Joyner. Joining me as always, the most popular man in the entire city of McPherson, Mr. Steve Sell. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Did you enjoy your weekend? It was fine. It was just fine. Care to elaborate? Just play a little what, bit. What made it fine? What made it not great? What made it not horrible? I got to sleep in on Saturday. That was nice. Yeah, how'd that go? That went real well. Do you feel refreshed? I did. I do feel refreshed. What about Sunday? Did you get to sleep in Sunday? No, I was up at 6.45. I was on my way to, had to get up and uh, get ready. Left at 7.30 for Salina. Played in a golf tournament up there. The Turkey Creek golf team went up against Salina and Heston in the first leg of the I-35 Cup. Turkey Creek's the defending champion. And, uh, if you know, if yesterday was an indication, it's going to go down to the last match, the last group of the year because – we Are you scored. satisfied with your performance? I won my match, uh, and there's a guy, I've, this is like the fourth time I've played him, Kelly Ingracia, a really nice guy. Mr. 60, they call him in Salina. Ooh. He had a 60 one time in the city tournament in Whoa. Salina. And um, he was just, I wasn't very good, but he was worse, and we were both <laughs> kind of laughing about it throughout the day. And You know, when we played last time, I think uh, I think we, we, play, we played at Salina last time, and I think he was like two over for 16 holes, and I was like four over. And this time we were like two over and four over after about six holes. So uh, just a, uh, I, I just got lucky and kind of – I played good on the back nine. Yeah. I, I, other than one hole, I was even par on the back nine. So won the match two and one. Uh, we scored six and a half. Heston scored six. The Muni five and a half. So one point separates the three teams. So – uh, really very competitive. Uh, we have really loaded up our team. Treg Falls kind of rallied the troops. We've really loaded up our team for this uh, next time, and that's in uh, the 11th of uh, August at Turkey Creek. So we got a really stacked team, uh, and Treg hopes we can open up a little bit of an advantage going into the last one. Because now, now did Treg play this weekend? Treg did not play. I he figured he was on the on the DL for this weekend. Yeah, uh, he and Molly had their baby on uh, Friday. And uh, so, of course, he was, you know, tending to fatherly duties. So, um, Kelly Sorensen stepped up to play our number one singles. And I actually played with Kelly, and he won his match on the last hole. So, um, just a good weekend of golf. And 
Of course, today it's just perfect outside. It feels like it's about 50, even though it's like 85. You know, feels it, good. It feels good outside. Well, Steve, I enjoyed my weekend. The Reverend Jim. Everyone I, was calling you the Reverend Jim over I, the weekend. I think I get to be the Reverend now mm-hmm. because I have officially married people. Yeah. Now, I'm not married, but I did the ordainly duty. Did you have anybody else come up to you and say, hey, I want you to do my wedding when it comes time? You know, I started chopping myself around in the reception after I got all the way through How many, it. How many people were at this wedding? Would you I think say? there were about 300 people. Wow. It was a big wedding. So the pressure was on. It was in this big room at the Grand Hall at Power and Light in downtown Ooh, Kansas Power City. And Light. I hear about that all the time. And they didn't even have enough room for everybody on the floor. Were there were ner- people standing up in the rafters. Were you nervous? Not really. Okay. I mainly just wanted to make sure that we hit all of our points and made sure that we did everything right because yeah. friend of the show, Eli, and now I guess by marriage, his new wife, Sarah, they were very excited. It was a big day for him, of oh, course. Oh, big day. And, I mean, this place was just completely packed. But the key is, where was the reception? Same place. Ooh. Same venue. Okay. All the fun stuff happened down in the bottom mm. at 5 o'clock. Champagne fountains? There, there, there might have been a, a, a few drinks a-flowing. Okay. And then they cleared all the room out, had a dance floor. Steve, I've never seen a dance floor at a wedding 100% packed from the time the lights go down and the music comes on until they kick well, normally, everybody out. Normally about the first half hour, nobody gets out there. Right, but it was immediately. They turned on the music. Were, were Tracy and Cliff there? No, Tracy and Cliff did not receive the invite. Okay. How could Eli not invite Tracy and Cliff? I don't know. I, you know, my mother and father didn't need to be there, but it was it was <laughs> well, a ton of fun. I thought they'd be very proud of you being a reverend. Well, we'll see a picture of it or something later. Okay. I had to tell everybody in the audience it was one of their rules that they're not allowed to take pictures during the ceremony. Yeah. You think that's a good rule? I like keep your that. phones away. Keep your iPads I, I down. I like that rule a lot. Just got to be in the of moment. Course, Steve. I don't go to weddings, so it's kind of like. You know, what is it? I don't, there's something else I don't do. I don't do There's banquets. a lot of things I don't that you do don't banquets. do. I, I really try not to do banquets if all possible, but uh, weddings and banquets. You I would think. have enjoyed this one. Yeah. Eli and Sarah, they wrote their own vows to each other. Oh, they all And they do. both knocked them out of the park. Great. They were, they were great. Well, normally somebody stumbles through it and forgets half what stuff they're going to say. Yeah, luckily everything went well. What I wanted to do today, but we will not be able to do, is I wanted to break down the tape and, and hear me as Reverend Jim. The problem is DJ, whatever his name is, can we call him just DJ Steve? Okay. We're going to call him DJ Steve. DJ Steve didn't send me the audio. Uh Oh. So maybe someday DJ Steve will send me the audio. Okay. And then we'll be able to break it down section by section and and we'll hear my performance. But I thought I did okay. Okay. I guess you can ask Eli and Sarah. Okay. For somebody that has never done a wedding before, I think I would give myself an A. Wow. But if it was like somebody that does it regularly, there might have been a few glitches in there that we hadn't accounted for. Mm-hmm. And it would maybe be like a low B okay. for like a chiseled veteran. Okay. But for a rookie like me, oh, I thought we I thought we did a great job. Eli and Sarah are married. Good. I signed the wedding certificate. Ooh. I mean, it's, it's official. Put your Reverend Jim on there. It was really hot on Saturday, Steve. It was hot on Saturday. Did you notice that? I did. So we got to drive around in Kansas City, and they wanted to take pictures at a couple different places, and it was really, really hot. It was hot. And so pretty much all the groomsmen and all the, the women in the bridal party, everybody is just sweating and sweating Buckets. and sweating. Buckets. Which, which turned out to work out okay because we had enough time to get back, but... 
If it would have been like, all right, get off the bus and let's go do it, everybody would have just been sweating like crazy Ooh. up on the stage. Okay. But it was a good wedding, good weekend. Okay. Do you have any questions about it? I, I think you've been a little confused about me as the minister, maybe all weekend. I wasn't confused about no it. No other questions about Eli and Sarah? I just I figured it went without a hitch. I think it went pretty well. Eli's a good dude. He is a good I dude. I don't know Sarah, but... She's a good We've dude, too. We've had a little too. dude here today. That's right. The little dude, yeah. Steve, did you get a chance to watch any of Last Chance You over the weekend? I watched two episodes. So okay, far. so we're at about the same spot. Yeah, I watched uh, where Bobby Bruce got sent home. Ooh, don't, no, no spoils, Steve. Oh, okay. No spoilers. Okay, but uh, so far, uh, it's a, it's been very tame, but this is the calm before the storm because I know what happens later. I know how their season goes, and uh, they're really... This was a, the first two episodes really are focusing on a lot of relationship type things, play you know players and the teachers and yeah. things like that. So they haven't really. I, I the first two episodes didn't have much game. I there was just see, one game. Yeah, I, I wanted to see some game action. They played Dodge City, and uh, looked pretty good. Now, I think the season probably goes downhill because that quarterback that quarterback looked pretty good. The uh, quarterback they had that pulled the hammy. Right. And I don't know if he ever even plays again because I'm thinking that something happens to him and maybe he doesn't play anymore. So what I want to do, Steve, is at some point this week, let's talk about the show. And I want to get your takeaway. So You might tell people what we're talking about. We're talking about Last Chance You. And tell them what – a lot of people don't know what that is. Well, we're going to explain it, but I want to pick a date right now that we will talk about it. Well, I'm pretty busy, so I'm going to have What to day do you think you can have it all done by? Oh, I don't – Thursday? I don't know if I'll have it done that. Well, quick. bring it home with you, Steve. Well, You've got Wi-Fi now, thanks to me. <laughs> How about Thursday? Well, I'll do my best. We're going to try and do our best to be completely done with it by Thursday. Okay. So that way we can talk about it with uh, with a little bit more detail okay. than we would in a situation like this. Because I don't want to spoil it for people. And for those that don't know what this is, it's a Netflix series that is in its fourth season where they follow around a junior college football program with a ton of cameras and interviews. And it's a really inside look at junior college football. And the last two years, they have been at Steve's alma mater, Independence Community College, and it has been a whirlwind of a series because in year number one, they win the conference, they have a terrific year, they go to a bowl game, everything, they win, every, everything every, goes great. Everything that could go right did. I think they won like six games by less than a touchdown in 2017. And then this year, or 2018, Everything that could go wrong does, and it ultimately – I don't know if they'll show it in the film, but Jason Brown ends up getting fired because of uh, some really bad things he said after the season. He could have been fired. If that was the case, they could have fired him 10,000 times for what he says. But uh, And then now he's been arrested for impersonating an attorney and allegedly always a great allegedly movie. in person I got to throw that allegedly in there yeah cause, is that cause really in, clears you up because he's innocent until he's proven guilty but he's in a world of hurt right now and and uh the his assistant coach is now the head coach and hopefully things have cleaned up a little bit it'll be interesting to see how good independence is this fall because i think they're everyone's picking them to be like the worst team in the conference so i want to ask you this here we are two years later and I don't really want to ask you 
where you think the Independence football program is now, because I, I don't know if that's a great question to answer because there's no real head coach that they've got now. They've brought in a guy who's going to be in his first year. But for you, as a native of Independence, as an alum of Independence CC, do you think having last chance you at the school did more good or more harm for the program? Harm. Why is that? Because it just it makes it it looks like that they'll put up with anything, any kind of nonsense. Now let me throw this out because that's about what I thought you would answer this with. I don't know if you've been around enough junior college football lately. Not lately. I covered it for three years though, growing up when I was in my young days. But I will say this. Most of the other programs and schools function about like this one does. Okay. Things just look a little different when you have a camera there and you get to see it, and things are edited in a certain way to get a little bit more drama, and it doesn't help to have a guy like Jason Brown who is a little bit over the top with well, everything. and see, you and I both go out to a lot of McPherson College football practices. Right. They're nothing like this. The games are nothing like this. I mean, you don't see this kind of just lawlessness or out-of-controlness that you see with Jason Brown and, and, and the Independence football program. I mean, but I think the makeup of the teams, it's very similar wherever you would go. The makeup of people in the classroom, and some people might be saying, oh, well, all these guys are they're, they're just struggling in the classroom, and they're going to school, and they're not even trying. I don't think that is the anomaly here. I think that's the way a lot of junior college football and junior college baseball, junior college basketball, I think this is a realistic look at that, and that independence is not that different than many other places. But what is different is they have a camera there, and people know that they can be fighting for some airtime, and you have a coach that loves that airtime. Boy, he does. And that things seem a little bit different and maybe worse than they actually are. Do you think there has been anything that is good that has come out of this series being at Independence? I, I Not really. I, I don't know what good can come out of it because uh, it makes the school, if, if, you, if you really read up, on some of the other things that's happened at Independence Community College. They cut the baseball program. They cut the baseball program. Uh, they've put a ton of money into the football program. They've taken a lot of teachers away from the school. Right. I, it's just uh, the president is no longer there. He resigned. What about athletic director? Athletic director. Oh, she's, I don't I don't even want to say, I don't know. I don't remember. Tammy. Tammy, like, Gouin Heiss, or I think her name is. But is she still there? She's still there, okay. yes. Ta- in fact, she's the interim president right now okay uh, well actually i think they just named uh, an interim president but while they were between uh daniel barwick who resigned and then this interim they just brought in tammy i think her name's like guy and heiss or guy she used to be tammy romstad at basketball player at k-state but uh they show her right uh, out at jason brown's house in a cookout with the coaches and some of the you know school officials and things like that but uh it's just I, I just feel like it's put independence in a bad light. But what about putting them on the map? Because there are millions of people in the country that have watched this show and not only never knew there was a place called Independence, Kansas, but, but didn't know that their football program... Independence won't be the team next year, and next year everyone will just have forgot about them. I don't think so. Oh, I, I, I really think that this will help them in the future in terms of being on the map and well, being Jason on Brown people's radar. Say, he said... I had, what, 400 kids the first day or the first week. 
we had to turn down 400 kids that wanted to play for us. And I don't think that was an exaggeration. Well, that could, maybe It could have been a little bit, but I really do think that this puts them on the map. And let's look forward 10 years from now, 20 years from now, maybe people won't may remember not, the series. There may not be an Independence Junior College in 10 years. But let's just say two years from now, once we get removed from Jason Brown, get removed from Last Chance U, it's no, it's no longer there. I do think that there are people that are high school football players that are, let's say, sophomores in high school or maybe even freshmen that have watched this series that if it does come to the time they go, oh, yeah, I remember Independence from that TV show. I know the football conference is really good. Maybe I'll consider them. I really do think that it does help put them on the map. Now, the guy that they had leading the program and that was at the center of this documentary, Jason Brown, I don't know if he's the person that you best want to be the face of your school, but I do think there is a lot of good that comes away from this. Well, you and I, you and I are going to be at all uh, differs on this because I just, uh, I just felt like it just made Independence look bad. It made it just look like these kids are there just to play football, which most of them are. Yeah. But it also makes it look like they, you know, you look at some of the film. Kids are asleep in class. I mean, they don't. But what I'm telling that. you here, Steve, is that's no different than anywhere in the world. Well, you go to any high school, any junior high, do you think people really want to go to, let's say, Highland Community College just to go? Do you think they don't sleep at class there? you think if you go a, across the river into Missouri that at every junior college everybody just wants to be there? Well, No, see, part of it is the sports, and they do sleep through class, and so, they do miss tests. So there's no student in student-athlete when a lot of these players. They're not really a student-athlete. They're just a They athlete. are. And they're just going somewhere to get a nap. Probably not just for the nap, but that just, it happens. Well. Did you never sleep in a class? Never. You never once put your head down on the desk and, I put and my started head, to doze off? I didn't ever sleep in class. I was a attentive student. Well, you're better than most, Steve. Well, that's, I'm, I'm great. You so. are great. <laughs> Let's take our first break. When we come back, I want to talk about the Open Championship from this weekend. Shane Lowry. Yeah, I watched the replay last, but. Yesterday when I got back from Salina, so he won by six strokes, That's which is pretty incredible yeah. at an event like this. We'll talk about that next. You're listening to According to Jim, ninety six point seven FM, KBBE. You're listening to the According to Jim podcast with Jim Joyner and Steve Self. According to Jim is brought to you by Great Plains Federal Credit Union, the Fieldhouse Grill and Taps, Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson, Next Tech Wireless and Farmer State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva. You can also listen live Monday through Friday from 12.30 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. Back on this afternoon's According to Jim, 96.7 FM KBBE. So, Steve, you didn't wake up at the crack of dawn to watch the Open Championship on Sunday morning. I did not. But you got to follow along with it all weekend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Were you surprised that this was such a runaway victory for oh, Shane Lowry? Sure. I mean, because I think I saw some stat earlier that it's only the second time or third time in the last 40 years that somebody has won this event by six or more strokes. One of them, Tiger Woods, 2000. One of them, Louis Oosthuizen in 2010. So generally... This is an event that is very close, and frankly, everybody in the first six or eight groups yesterday 
played terrible. I mean, the last six or eight. Right, right, right. Yeah, the the, yeah. T- the top well, the, six the or eight. Well, the conditions were really, really tough, and that's what I I like to see him play in conditions like. You're a that. fan of the golf course I, winning. I am a fan of the golf course winning. Uh, I don't think, you know, Shane Lowry. I'm sure nobody probably had him other than his mother, who allegedly won big money on him when he was a lot younger. Well, he was unbelievable. On Saturday, oh, yeah. that was the day that he made his big move. Well, that, a couple of sixty sevens on Thursday and Friday. He won Friday. the tournament on Saturday with that sixty three. Man, he just made everything yeah. on Saturday morning. And I think the weather helped him because nobody, you know, could really make a move. Now, Francesco Molinari shot sixty six, but I think he went off real early. You know, much much earlier that you know he gained a lot of shots on people. But uh, uh, I like seeing the conditions tough, and and uh, the guys that we picked really didn't. Uh, do a whole lot, I don't think. I well, had John Jeff, Rahm fired a 75 on Sunday, I had which Justin didn't Rose. Help. I'm not sure where he finished. He was four. well. Justin Rose was up in that top group for a while, then fired a 79 yeah. on Sunday to yeah. finish one under. Yeah, and then I had Paul Casey as my second pick. I was going to go Tommy Fleetwood, and then I changed my mind. I should have gone Tommy Fleetwood because he got second. But uh, did you take JB Holmes? No. What did he shoot? 87 <laughs> yesterday or 80? 87. A 16 over wow, 87. It's hard, to, it's hard to imagine a pro shooting 87, but 66, I'm, 68, 69, 87. Yeah, it just Man. got. Yeah, I'll tell you though, having played golf in really windy and bad weather, it can get in your head and it can just make you basically give up. And I bet JB Holmes just. He just gave up. He was 10 under entering the day. Yeah. And was in second or third place and finishes six over. Did he beat anybody? He did beat three people. He did beat Eddie Pepperell. He did beat Nino Bertasio. And he beat Yuki Inamori. So he went from the top five to beating the bottom four. The bottom four. Wow. That, that's unbelievable. Now, you know, he hits a big high cut, JB Holmes does. I feel for him. And, you know, it. You, in the wind, you had a big high cut, you're going to be dead. But, uh, boy, no Tiger, no Phil, no Rory. Uh, it was kind of void of star power. You had a bunch of guys that really you hadn't kind of heard of that were up there. I mean, now, Justin Rose, people have heard of him. He was up there. Sure. And then uh, who else was up there? After Brooks Kepka tied for fourth. Yeah, and he started off, what, bogeyed his first four? Is that what it was on Sunday? And then he made an eagle? Then he settled down and played pretty well. But another top five finish for Brooks Kepka. And we didn't pick him because we thought he had to fall off at some point. Well, top five isn't falling off. On the broadcast yesterday, they mentioned a stat, and I don't remember the 100% specific stat for top fives, but there's only a group of about four people that have ever finished top five in all four majors in a year. And Tiger was one, Spieth was one, and I want to think maybe Rory was one of them. And I was thinking maybe Nicholas was one of them too. Yeah. But if he would have finished one spot better, if he finishes seven under instead of six under with Tony Finau, he would have been the first person ever to finish in the top three of every single major in a year. So he was that close to having maybe the greatest would, golf year would, you could ever I would imagine. I like to ask him, why don't you do that in just the normal events. You don't ever really hardly see him winning, you know, non-major tournaments or even being a contender. But, boy, you get him in a major, and that guy just gears it up. My guy, Ricky Fowler. Yeah. He hung around. Tied for six. Yeah. So it was smart that I didn't take him this weekend. Yeah. Did you hear the Brooks Kepka comments from yesterday? No. So Brooks Kepka was playing with J.B. Holmes, Ooh. who we just mentioned a moment ago, 
was 16 over. How do you keep your head watching that clown show going on right by you? It would be really tough. Yeah. It would be really tough to have to be playing with him. And he had some comments talking about playing the slow round with him, which, of course, Steve, I know this with you. If you play with somebody that is really slow, you get really impatient. Yes, I do. And not only that, if you're playing with somebody that's slow, if people in front of you are really slow, you get really impatient. Yes, is that an accurate statement? That's very. Anyone that knows me knows I like to play and play fast. So for this, it wasn't just the playing fast element. Brooks Kepka also talked about the fact that J.B. Holmes was not playing a lot of ready golf. And he said there are a ton of other guys on the tour that do this too, but when I hit my ball and then I look over to him and he doesn't have his glove on yet, he doesn't know what club he's going to hit, he said, whenever somebody else is hitting before me, I'm ready to go, ball starts coming down, you know, lands on the green, that's I'm ready to go. You, that's what you should do. I'm stepping out. You know, we call it ready golf. Ready golf. That Brooks Kepka would then step up, be ready to go. And he has talked about publicly a few times that he think golf thinks golf just takes too long, that everybody plays a little too slow, and that I've even heard him make comments before where he goes, you know, I always remember the, the front nine and then like holes 10 through about 14, I... I'm just well, spacing out. Then I'll the tell final you, four, really I turn it up. Slow, and that's college golfers. Yeah, college golfers. I can tell you from playing at Turkey Creek. Um, there was a college that used to practice out there. They didn't practice there this year, but but boy, they look at every putt from every angle. I mean, I I'm sorry. Get up, hit the ball. You know, I mean, you got a pretty good idea where it's going. You look at it from four different angles. To me, you're not going to see something from one angle that you didn't see from the other angle. But I think there is a conversation to be had at some point with speeding up the game of golf. Yeah. And I don't know if that is changing the amount of holes that are played. Because I I think that would be hard to do at this point. But what about this, Steve? What about everybody have a golf cart? There you go. Maybe that you don't ride in the middle of the fairway, but you walk back over to the cart path, you take the, the cart up, 90 degrees or vertical with your ball, and similar to bringing out the pitchers in the bullpen cart, driving them at least close to help speed it up a little bit. Would you be opposed to that? Do they still do that? I think they've made it a rule where you can, but I don't really think anybody does. Okay. Would you be opposed to that? I would not be opposed to that. You go get in your golf cart, drive the 300 yards, get out, go hit your wedge shot, get back in the cart, drive up to the green, I don't think that's a bad idea. Well, I think you'd see pro rounds be about three and a half hours. They'd be much of, faster. Instead of the four and a half hours they are. A twosome should never take four and a half hours to play. I'm sorry. <laughs> you tell them, Steve. Yeah. All right, let's take our final break. When we come back, I want to talk about what's coming up for the rest of the week. We'll do that next. You're listening to According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE. You're listening to the According to Jim podcast with Jim Joyner and Steve Self. According to Jim is brought to you by... Great Plains Federal Credit Union, the Fieldhouse Grill and Tap, Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson, Next Tech Wireless, and Farmer State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva. You can also listen live Monday through Friday from 12.30 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. Wrapping up today's According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE. Steve, the Pipeliners, they are done after finishing up their season in the postseason tournament in Augusta this weekend. It was a fun summer covering that team. 
It felt like they kept getting better and better and better, but as it turns out to be in summer college baseball, you got to have enough arms. They ran and, out. And you have guys that have been playing out in the heat all summer, and you tire out. Well, I know they didn't play their last regular season game. They didn't have any pitchers available. Then in the first game, two of the three guys that pitched weren't even with the team all year. They picked them up for the postseason. And then in the uh, second game, uh, Ricky Hockett, I can't remember which team. I think it was Clearwater or Valley Center. Really good pitcher. Uh, they picked him up after the season was over because they simply didn't have any arms. I mean, uh, um, they, they were out of arms. And I, it's one thing I think next year, um, moving forward, uh, you know, Chad Pinson, when they go to put together the team, uh, you got to have about 15 pitchers. And by the end of the year, they were down to about six. Steve, later on this week, we have a couple of things planned. Number one, I want to talk a little bit more about the Tyreek Hill situation. We talked about it a little bit on Friday as it was breaking news for us, but I want to dive into that a little bit more. The USA Today, they named their picks for who's going to win the Super Bowl and who's going to win each division. When did that come out? Came out earlier today. Okay. And I want to go through that with you and see if they're crazy or not. Okay. And we're going to have a special guest on Wednesday. That is Brett Marshall, who is a part of the Kansas State High School Activities Association book on the history of football in the state and the playoffs with all of that. So we've got plenty of things to talk about this week. Yeah, and Brett Marshall's name sounds familiar. He used to be a sports writer at the Hutch News when I first got here. Uh, later, I think he was at the Salina Journal. He's out in Garden City now. He's also been the uh, executive director of the Kansas Golf Association. He was that for a long time. So uh, I'm sure he'll provide a lot of insight. Wrapping up today's show, for Steve Sell, I'm Jim Joyner. Thanks for listening to According to Jim. We'll talk to you tomorrow. According to Jim with Jim Joyner and Steve Sell was brought to you by Great Plains Federal Credit Union, The Fieldhouse Grill and Taps, Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson, Next Tech Wireless, and Farmer State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva. Make sure to listen to According to Jim every weekday from 1230 to 1 p.m. right here on 96.7 FM KBBE.